up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports' daily NFL podcast. And as far as you know, the only daily NFL podcast in the entire world, the known universe, if you will. I'm Will Brinson. I am your host. We do this thing Monday through Friday. If you're joining us because uh, you just found it by word of mouth, great. Hop along. If you're joining us from the Fantasy Football Today podcast, we saw some new subscribers uh, pop on via there. I, I joined Jamie Eisenberg a couple or last week, I guess, to talk about uh, you know the recap the week the the year in fantasy. And uh, so if you're joining us for the first time, second time, third time, awesome. Hope you stick around. Uh, coming up today. We have an episode with Jason Lockenfora breaking down all the coaching rumors that are out there. But here's how this works. So we do this podcast daily. Sometimes Jason and I record early in the morning because we both have a bunch of kids. Well, he has a lot of kids. I have a kid. Um, and it was my son's birthday, so we couldn't record uh, – birthday party, excuse me. So we couldn't record late at night. So we recorded early. We talked about Cliff Kingsbury to the Cardinals as a possibility. We talked about the expectation of Bruce Arians to the Buccaneers as a very good possibility. And then in between talking to Jason and my son having uh, 48 kids running around like maniacs late at night at this party with a bunch of cake and pizza, the Buccaneers hired Bruce Arians and the Cardinals hired Cliff Kingsbury. Both hires are official. Uh, so we'll get to Jason in a minute, but I just want to point out that we recorded this earlier so that you may be a little bit of context there, but the Buccaneers have announced that Bruce Arians will be their coach. The belief is that Todd Bowles will be his defensive coordinator. Arians loves Jameis Winston. Uh, Arians was working with us at CBS for a year after he retired from the Cardinals. Um, and then Arizona, announced that they are actually hiring Cliff Kingsbury. It's insane. I highly recommend you stick around to the end of this podcast because Jason and I basically, Jason goes on a crazy rant about Kingsbury and why the Cardinals are insane to do this. Um, and I point out that, you know, in 2016, Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes as his quarterback and he went into Ames, Iowa, and he scored 10 points against Iowa State and lost 66 to 10. Not great, Bob. Um, so, I mean, Man, there's a lot to unpack here. It's the weirdest coaching cycle I can ever remember seeing just because of how things are unfolding. Um, the Buccaneers actually had to trade with the Cardinals to get Arians. They get Bruce Arians' rights and a 2019 seventh-round pick in exchange for a 2019 sixth-round pick. So it's basically Jason Light throwing uh, Steve Keim, his old boss. Um, they worked in Arizona together back in 2013 when Bruce Arians was hired. A bone. I believe... That that is it. No one else got hired um, after we talked to Jason. Just two people. But we talked about him anyway. So let's go talk to Jason. But first, I would remind you, it's the new year. You want to be a better person. You want to give good iTunes reviews. Leave us a good iTunes review. Some uh, jabron. I don't know if you can say jabron or not. Probably. I guess I can. Uh, some jabron. Isn't it me- technically jabroni? Is it jabron or jabroni? I think jabron is like short and like even more insulting. Or like, and gotcha. I, don't, I don't even know who I'm insulting other than the person who left the mean iTunes review. Uh, somebody actually name checked you on a, on a, on a, on a pod. They don't, they don't like you. You got a mean review. I got a mean review. It's like people are coming cool. out of the woodworks. That, that's good though. Cause see, I think this is Jason Lock and Forward. At least of you elicit, uh, I guess it's better to elicit some response than none, right? Whether good, bad, or indifferent. Exactly. That's, well, I guess we don't want indifferent, I guess is what I would say. Right. That's my thing. I think if somebody is, is angry, um, that's it. That's a good thing. By the way, exciting news. Somebody sent me, somebody Venmoed me 12 cents, um, right as we were starting to record this podcast. I asked for Venmo. I asked for Venmo. Kevin, uh, 
Qualidari sent me 12 cents and used the, the clown emoji. I asked people to Venmo me like 10 cents, uh, just to see how many people would do it. And, um, <coughs> excuse me, the money's already rolling in, so okay. that's exciting. Uh, oh yeah. So you, think, you almost have enough for a, a payphone phone call. Yes, I can almost, right. I'm sure. If you can I, find a payphone. I'm sure somewhere. that people who use Venmo know exactly what a payphone is. Those, yeah. those, those, those two ships crossed silently, passed silently in the night, didn't say a word to each they other. Have no, they would have no idea what a rotary phone is, I suppose. Nah, I don't think so. I was trying to explain my son, like my son has a rotary phone, you know, one of those kids, it was just like one of those kids' toys that we haven't gotten rid of, and I was trying to explain it to him, and I was like, so you put your finger in here and you spin it, and he's like, what, what do you, like, just give me your, yeah. give me your Apple, give me your iPhone, Dad, weirdo. Um I got a question for you, Jason. Jason Locker sure. by the way. I may or may not have an answer. That no. may or may not still look valid by the time people hear this. No, I was going to ask you what just your – Just gonna, putting that caveat out there. I was going to ask you what your favorite Instapot recipe was because I got an Instapot for uh, for for Christmas, and I'm, I'm loving this thing. You know, the other thing I got – No, the to, Instapot rocks. We yeah. just had Instapot uh, pork last night. I tend to – I would say in general, pork-based recipes. Mm. That's a, that's a helpful advice because I've had some pasta, some chicken stuff, and the chicken was okay, but not no, it didn't. Blow I don't, me away. yeah, like the whole chicken parm and the instapot idea and stuff like that. While it is very simple, I just I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to that, and pasta sure. in general, I'm kind of a snob about. So we've done it a few times, but I I almost kind of cringe while I do it. You know what I mean? I kind of just like to do the pasta separate. But yeah, I, you know, different kinds of like uh, short. I would say short ribs is. Definitely a go-to, and then really any kind of pork. Okay, pork's the play. Uh, you know that, the other that thing would be that would be my advice. The other thing I got for uh, Christmas for my dad that I'm sort of loving right now, and I'm surprised uh, a, a NutriBullet, which is like a super. Lauren has one of those things. Yeah, I don't super, really mess with that. It's a super simple smoothie maker. You just jam some spinach in there, some avocado, some fruit, yeah. fill up with water, and you make a, a smoothie. I'm sure I'll be sick of it in like a week, but for right now, it's pretty awesome. So thanks, Dad. Well, we got a soda stream, and they, like I, that was like because I thought my wife would like it, but she doesn't. But I knew between her or Chloe, one of them would. Right, but like that was fun for like two weeks, and then like yesterday, I'm like, "Where's the so like Where's the soda stream?" And like Lauren and I like boxed it up and put it away somewhere. I'm like, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> I was uh, just starting to get like kind of get into this, you know, messing around with different recipes and different flavors and stuff. So yeah. yeah. Um, all right, let's uh, let's talk about some some football stuff. Matt Lafleur, Ryan and I mentioned this briefly on the podcast, but it appears I don't think they've as of we're recording this. Look. We're recording this on Tuesday morning, so if anything happens on Tuesday throughout the day, like you and I were talking before, like last week, the Antonio Brown stuff came through right after we recorded. That's fine; it just happens. Um, but so if any, you know, don't if you're listening, don't get don't get all hot and bothered by a by a report going sideways based on what happened on Tuesday afternoon. These things are flying misinformation everywhere. Um, Matt Lafleur though appears to be hired by the Green Bay Packers, right? Yeah, he's the guy. Okay. Um, are you surprised by this? Because as Ryan and I mentioned, yes. I didn't, I mean, like I knew he was a candidate out there because he's the Sean Mc, on the Sean McVay coaching tree, but I thought that his job in Tennessee this year basically took him out of the running for any high profile jobs. And then Green Bay just bam, bam, bam goes after First the next guy off the board. Yeah. yeah. Did not, uh, I didn't see that coming. I mean, look, it, it, I have no, nobody knows if it's going to work or not going to work. Part the, the the profile doesn't surprise me. Young, cheap, 
uh, super eager, malleable, um, a blank slate, never did it before. I mean, as we've talked about, I, I, you know, I think their days of paying a coach, not paying Aaron Rodgers $38 million a year and paying a coach $9 million a year were over. And I think Mark Murphy was taking that building back, and he's done it over the last two years. And they've changed the paradigm there now. And they wanted a coach who um, I think they felt like they could sort of handle and indoctrinate into their culture. Um, I wrote about this. And, look, the guy they really wanted was Pat Fitzgerald. And they tried like hell to get him. And he would have been the best fit, but he didn't want to leave Northwestern. So short of that, um, you go back and look at the history of that franchise. Since Lombardi walked in the building in the 50s, only twice have they hired a, a quote-unquote retread, a guy who had already been a head coach somewhere else. It was Forrest Gregg, who was obviously a Hall of Fame player there and who coached offensive line there and was a long-time basically Packer for life, who then went off and coached the Browns and the Bengals as a head coach and then got his shot coaching the Packers. And the only other time was 1999, Ray Rhodes, it lasted one year. That's not what they do. That's not who they are. And especially at this instance where they were parting with a guy making big money, you know, who was won 135 games. I think they were going to try to find the next Mike McCarthy, but find him at, you know, half that price and not having to sort of have some of the clashes that occur when, a coach is established and has, you know, his own ideas, et cetera, et cetera. Well, so the, that part of it doesn't surprise me. But that it was LaFleur does a little bit. The, you know? the mold, I, the it, mold it, it though, does. like, if you look at it, I mean, and I mentioned this before, but the it's, I mean, like, he sort of fits the mold for what they've hired previously. People forget that Mike Holmgren, Mike McCarthy, and Mike Sherman, all Mike's. Right. Uh, That's what they do. They find yeah. guys young, hungry, and cheap who they see something in. I thought it might be Zach Taylor, you know mm. what I mean? I thought, you know, maybe Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I just thought it might be somebody. I mean, I, I think Matt LaFleur's only been in the NFL 10 years. And only one year as a play caller. Not that Stefanski had called a ton of games. I mean, he's only done it for three games. But this is a guy who, and this shows you how this league works, right around this time two years ago, Kyle Shanahan's interviewing for head coaching jobs. Um He's taking a bunch of people with him to San Francisco when he gets that job. He doesn't take Matt LaFleur. Matt LaFleur is pretty much maybe begging's too strong of a verb, but it's probably not. The Falcons to keep him as quarterback coach. Just keep me in the building. I like working with it, with, with Matt Ryan. You know, I, I want to stay here. No, that's okay. You can go. <laughs> they let him go for lateral moves. They let him go for any move. Sean McVay brings him in. At that point, I'm not even sure Sean McVay was going to have an offensive coordinator because, like, he's, you know what I mean? He just got his first job. He's going to call the plays. You know what I mean? It's all about resuscitating Jared Goff. He brings him at LaFleur. He gives him the OC title. We know it was a nominal title. He wasn't calling the plays. He wasn't doing a lot of the things an OC normally does. Jared Goff blows up. He goes to Tennessee. They're, what, 23rd in offense? Yeah. They ran the ball better under Malarkey. I mean, they ran the ball really well, like, what, the final three weeks of the season, but I mean, were Derek, kind of a Derek, disaster before Derek, that. Derrick Henry blew up, but, I mean, other than that, they were – Yeah, the last couple weeks, but, yeah. like, it was a struggle. They were a playoff team that went the other way. The quarterback doesn't look any more of a sure thing than he did before LaFleur got in the building, and he's the first guy hired, and it's the <laughs> effing iconic Green Bay Packers. Like, if you would have told me he got a job – 
but it was like two weeks into it, and it was Arizona because a couple people had turned it down or just because they were locked in on an offensive guy. You know what I mean? And Gase got a job somewhere else and a couple things. You know what I mean? They just, at the end of the day, like LaFleur more than Zach Taylor. I'd have been like, all right, I get that. But for it to be the Packers and the first one up, I, I, I have to admit I'm surprised. And, and then I'll just back end all that by saying, they look, if, if Pat Fitzgerald was willing to listen – that was their guy. Hmm. So the thing with LaFleur, when you look at it, and look, I mean, I do think that I liked him a lot. I mean, I liked the idea of him a lot. I, you know, I don't know that much about him coming to coming to Tennessee. But it was like, all right, you got a Sean McVay guy. You're giving Marcus Mariota a decent offensive coordinator. You have the pieces around him. Maybe this is the year Corey Davis blows up. But Tennessee ranked 29th in passing yards. 31st in passing attempts, 28th in passing touchdowns, 20th in net yards per attempt, and then rushing offense, that's just passing, by the way. Rushing offense, they rank 7th in rushing yards, 9th in rushing attempts, 11th in rushing TVs, 16th in rushing yards per attempt, and overall offense, they were 27th in points and 25th in yards. The Titans were a terrible offense for much of the year. There were spots, there were spots where Marcus Mariota, like, started to really produce and to really look like the the quarterback we thought he could be, but the, the spots were far. never strung it together. Yeah, they never strung it together. Right, and that's that's sort of the and red part flag. of that is he's never healthy. But like that's the deal with him. Um, I mean, did they keep it together a couple of weeks with Blaine Gabbert, where you thought okay, they're still com- relatively competitive in this game, or flat out competitive in this game, where you figure that the bottom totally drops out? I, I guess, but I mean, you're, you're you're always projecting. Look, Mike McCarthy. You go back to Mike McCarthy and who he was when he was hired, and I get it. You know, that offense wasn't great that year or whatever, and they saw something in him. But the people who made that hire aren't there anymore. You know what I mean? And this is their first rodeo. And the expectations are going to be really, really high. You fired a cat who was 50 games under 500 in the middle of the year to get a jump on everybody. Yeah. You To get you to Matt LaFleur in a, at a time when the quarterback is more empowered than ever, and if you think he was being bullheaded and – uh, maniacal about what he let get called and what he didn't under McCarthy. <laughs> mm. You know, what do you think Matt LaFleur is going to say to him? I mean, they, you know, like yeah, yeah. if he's audibling left and right and changing stuff in the huddle and at the line left and right before Matt LaFleur is going to buck that trend. I mean, I, I don't know. They're clearly the, the water there was poisoned or, you know, really before this season even started. It's not an easy job. The expectations are super high. You're supposed to come in and, boom, immediately have a top-10 offense and be playing playoff games. I'm not sure that's going to happen. That's 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 the thing. Is like Matt LaFleur has to go out and win eight to nine games next year at – Absolute more bare. Than that, abso- right? More abso- than that. Okay, he has to win nine games, absolute bare minimum, or else his seat, or else he's on the hot seat, right? They're all on the hot seat. And and you. Point- I mean, it's, if this doesn't work, by like, if they're not making a real concerted playoff push with a chance to win a division by Thanksgiving of year two, like I, the, the board of directors, people there are going to be like, "Hey, Mark, you sure about this?" Um, I mean, that's just the reality. Aaron Rodgers, he, he ain't aging backwards. Like, this is it. You thought the window was closing too quickly under a dude who won 135 games. And you replace him with a guy who's called plays 16 times in his life. 
Yeah. Okay. So if all right, if I get my Packers history right, just kind of walking through this because I think that you mentioned something that is worth people knowing about is that in when Mike Holmgren, who's sort of you know the the bridge from the you know like you know you take it back to Lombard like like the, the modern the modern prototype for the Packers coach, he was hired in 1992. He was hired by Ron Wolf when Ron Wolf in Ron Wolf's first year as GM, and Wolf was there yeah. from 92 to 2000. Um, Ron Wolf is a Hall of Famer, by the way. We have yeah. no idea what Brian Gutenkist is. We have, you know, right. Mark Murphy was right, a right. business side guy who's now kind right. of running everything. Right. Like, Ron Wolf is a Ron legendary. Wolf got a lot of things right. Yeah. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't mean that everybody's going to get everything right in Green Bay by trying to do what they think Ron Wolf might have done in his prime. Right. So Ron Wolf hired Mike Holmgren. They had a fantastic run there. Ron Wolf then yeah. hired Ray Rhodes for one year. They went eight and eight. That didn't work out. Did was that Ron, was one of the only two re, quote unquote retreads they've yeah. ever done? Yeah. Was Ron Wolf fired, or did he just walk away from the Packers? Surely he walked away, right? Uh, I don't remember exactly how it went down. Um, let's see. Anyway, uh, let's, all right, let's assume that, let's assume he just walked away. And in 2000, Mike Sherman takes over as head coach, but he also took, he was the GM for the Packers, which is crazy to think at the time. Yeah. Like, Mike Sherman had full control over the Packers, which is nuts. They yeah. gave this, they gave this guy yeah. who had like five years as an offensive coordinator full control. That's insane to think about. He's there from 2000 to 2005. Then Ted Thompson comes back from the Seahawks where he was VP of player yeah. personnel. He takes over as GM of the Packers. He hires Mike McCarthy. They have a 12 year run until last season. And Ted Thompson, of course, ousted last year. That's, that's what I think is important is that this structure that has by and large always been there for the Green Bay Packers with either Ron Wolf uh, or Ted Thompson as the GM who, like like it or not, what's, some of the stuff they did, they both won Super Bowls, they both found yeah. franchise quarterbacks, now is gone. And now you have Brian Gutekunst answering to Mark Murphy, who seems intent on running the entire show to me. He's running it. He put it all together. He's the one who chose the, you know, the the whole Russ Ball and Gutekunst thing last year, and he set that all up, and he hired this coach. I mean, this is, like, as much as Matt LaFleur is going to take the bullets, like in my coverage of this team, good, bad, or indifferent, whether they're 8-8, eight 4-12, eight, and 12, or 12-4, twelve and four, if this is a Mark Murphy production. Like, put, That's where the credit or the blame goes because he set this whole thing up. All right. Uh, man, it's going to be interesting to see. It's weird that that's the first domino to fall. <coughs> Excuse me. Which domino do you think will be the second to fall? Um, is there is there another team out there? And again, we're recording this on Tuesday morning. Don't get mad if somebody's hired um, in between, folks. But do you think that there's another team that is trying yeah, to expedite I, their search? I hear Cleveland. I hear Cleveland is ready to make its decision on here uh, as we speak on Tuesday morning. Um, the the Broncos, uh, I would expect by the middle of the week, have offered their job to Mike Munchak. And the and if Tampa wow. Bay is unable to make something. Um, I would say, like, I keep coming back to the word sexy. I don't want to use it. If, if Tampa is not able to lure some highfalutin college coach or trade for John Harbaugh here in the next little while, then they're prepared to give that job to Bruce Arians. It's not the only coal in the fire, but of, sure. you know, of the known guys they've interviewed, it's Arians' job. But I, I, there's, they've been flirting with some guys on various levels at the ownership um, at the ownership level, who if they can convince and coerce one of them to come in, then that changes things. But short of that, then I expect Bruce Arians to 
uh, be named the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Bucks. Wow. All right. So, so it seems like with the Buccaneers, this, uh, so they hired the search firm of Sleater Kinney to, uh, to find the, to, <laughs> who, is, who is it? Uh, uh, You're a Sleater Kinney fan? Uh, I like Sleater Kenny. I don't, I don't, I know you, I know, I don't know, I don't know their catalog, so we can't go in like a. No, like they're a, old stuff I love, like, I don't yeah. know. Uh, I, no, I, who's, who's I, the, who's, anyway. who's, who's like, the, who's their, their first three albums are pretty amazing. Who's okay. the, who's the search firm they hired? Uh, Greg Coat and. Corn Ferry. Sleater Kenny. I bet you, I bet you Sleater Kenny would have done a better job. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it's just like, cor- yeah. You, like, corn you should, Ferry. You should have put yeah, the band Jet Corn. Hughes and Corn Ferry. Put the band Corn on a ferry and they'll find you a better coach than, than Corn Ferry. There you um, go. It, do- it does seem like this is an obvious, and look, I don't, I don't blame Jason Light. I mean, he's, he's in a weird spot because he didn't hire Lovey Smith. You know, he didn't, he didn't hire Lovey Smith. Right. He was hired after Lovey Smith. Uh, he didn't really decide to fire Lovey, but it was a power struggle so he could be put in charge. This is his first, you know, quote unquote, real coaching search, but he's, he's also <clears throat> on the hot seat. And so if he wants yeah. to, if he wants to keep his job, he needs to make a splashy enough hire that the Glazer family is like, Ooh, Jason, like you can go out in the market and find a guy. And it, 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 if you trade for John Harbaugh, if you sign Bruce Arians, or if you, uh, or if you land some splashy college coach, those all fit the bill, right? Yeah, yeah, and and they've they're casting a, a much wider net than the surface of their known search would um, would indicate. Who who but, might who might be a college target for them? Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. Huh. Uh, yeah. No, neither of those guys are um, gonna actually leave college. And you right? want to hear no. You want to hear, you know what I mean? You want to make them say no. Nick Saban can't walk away Before from Before you Al- close the door on it. Nick Saban can't walk away from Alabama after losing 44-16. And by the way, if he did, it would be incredible because it would set off a chain reaction where Kirby Smart might leave Georgia for Alabama or Georgia might become the powerhouse or Dabo Sweeney might say, I've done all I can do at Clemson. I'm out. I, I don't think he'll leave Clemson right. with Trevor Lawrence having two years there, but I mean, right. he is an Alabama guy. I mean, like that would be Right, and I don't think Saban would go to the Buccaneers, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't think he's going either, but you, you know. In other words, the Glazers you, are like you might as well find out. I mean, this is remember this is a family that traded for John Gruden, yeah. that thought they had Chip Kelly, and then got told at two o'clock in the morning when they're putting the press release out, no, he's going to stay in Oregon. That tried to get John Gruden last year and lost out to the Raiders. Yeah, so like. I, I'm I'm sorry. It's not just yeah. We interviewed four dudes, and it's Bruce Arians. There's been a lot going on there for a while. A lot behind the scenes. They want they want they they want splash. They like big splash. Well, they can't. I mean, it's a hard product to sell right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's other things to do in Florida. The weather's really nice. The team hasn't been good in a long time. And when's the last time they had a head coach who like inspired people or like they got rallied behind? I mean, Dirk Cutter's a really bright offensive mind. He, you know what I mean? You saw hard knocks. Like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Lovey Smith. I mean, it is what it is. Greg Schiano, people hated him instantly. You know what I mean? Like, he couldn't get the buy-in from the fans, the media, the players, nobody. Like, Raheem Morris was in over his head. You know what I mean? Like, that was a really ballsy thing. Like, you have to go back to Gruden. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, they... The last time that they, you know what I mean, they had some sizzle, that it was a, you know, that it was a hot ticket in town, and that... um they were a national brand for a while there. They're, they're, they're far from that right now. And they're all about, you know, resuscitating this quarterback 
who was coached by Jimbo Fisher, who was a part of that Saban family tree. You know, Nick Saban, everybody in that family tree tried to, you know, recruited Jameis Winston. They've all known this kid since he was in high school. Like, they all have a beat on him. And obviously there were things that Jimbo Fisher, who, again, is a disciple of Nick Saban, put together a plan from a mental standpoint, from mental conditioning, from the infrastructure around this kid that – Yes, he had his incidents, but he played at a high enough level to where he was drafted where he was. Mm. Now they need to find ways to – look, I would just – I would go in a completely different direction, direction. But they clearly want this pick to be rewarded, and they want to pay this kid. So it's about putting together a structure that they think will keep him out of trouble and get the most out of him, that will challenge him in the right ways. It's such a weird spot because it's like you, whoever's coming in has one year to work with Jameis and fix him, unless you're just some superstar like a Nick Saban who's going to get as much time as he wants. I mean, I would think Saban want, like, it's like, look, if I'd had a quarterback in Miami, I could have won. I mean, doesn't he have to think that? And by the way, the last time he lost a game as badly as 44-16, which he lost on Monday night to Clemson, was, uh, I think week 16 of the, or week 15 of the 2006 season when he was the Miami Dolphins head coach, which is pretty remarkable. Yeah, I saw that on Twitter last night. That's that is that is bonkers. Yeah. Uh, okay. The you mentioned the Broncos job. Munchak went in there, and the buzz out of that is that he did a just did a, knocked it out of the park in terms of yeah. his interview, right? Yeah. And look, they need somebody experienced. They need somebody who um, comes in immediately and and has that respect. Um, they need somebody to fix their offensive line. They need somebody to uh, just kind of re be on solid footing again, you know what I mean? And who you know is going to come in with the organizational skills and the, the natural leadership. It's not going to have to try to prove anything or fake anything. And he he's known Kubiak forever, you know, like, and Kubiak's pretty good chance he's going to come down and be the offensive coordinator. It, he's a guy who was a contemporary of Elway as a player. You know what I mean? W- played at the elite level who Elway is going to obviously respect and connect with. It, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. And I think it's going to happen. Okay. What, um, what about the, uh, did you, did you tell me who the Browns are going to hire? Do you know who the Browns are going to hire? I did not. I do not. <laughs> do I you, do not. Do you think that they as will, we speak. do you think that they will, do you think that Josh McDaniels, is actually quote unquote enthusiastically interested in the Cleveland Browns job. He is. Okay. He would be he would I mean that that's a job that would absolutely appeal to him. Do you, it is. Can the can the Browns risk offering Josh McDaniels the job? Do they have to wait until the Patriots lose to offer Josh McDaniels the job? Not really. I mean, no. I mean, no. I mean, you you can't have the press conference or anything while he's still coaching. I don't think they would send out the press release, but like, could you have a tacit or, or maybe even a, some sort of a term sheet or some form of an agreement that's a little bit more than verbal. You can't have two contracts at the same time, but I mean, the minutia of it, I don't know um, how it would play out, but I think there would be a way to, to know, that he's your guy before the se- before the Patriots season ends. Hmm. Um, what about some of these other crappy jobs? The, the, okay, let me, <laughs> <laughs> has there been? This is like the least buzzy coaching period I've ever seen. I don't know why it's very well, odd. Be- because 
there they there are not a lot of sure things. I mean, I, I when we talked heading into this, I'm like, there's going to be a few guys who get hired who people are like, wow, what the bleep. And then there's going to be a lot of quote-unquote retreads just because the, the supply doesn't meet demand and you got to hire, you know, somebody's getting these jobs and that you were going to see multiple guys who were out of it last year get back in it. And we've one, you know, could be Arians. Pagano still has opportunities out there. Jim Caldwell has opportunities out there. You know, I think you're going to see a few of those guys. Um, <laughs> Munchak did it before, right? I mean, it's, it, it, it's just the way things move in cycles. And there's not the, the hot offensive guys out there. And they were going to chase college, college coaches like never before, and they have. And they were not going to be able to get most of them to commit, and they haven't. But one or two still might. I mean, I don't rule out Matt Rule to the Jets at all. Um, you know, I, I know the Browns have done a lot of work on college coaches. I'm not sure that's what they end up hiring, but um, there, there's a lot of interest in college coaches just because the game, the mesh, there, there's a meshing that's going on between college and pro. I mean, you see it all the time. And the aversion to some of those concepts wanes a little more each year. And five quarterbacks taken in the first round, most of whom have limited you know, time uh, in a traditional NFL offense right under center. And they all played pretty much right away. Like that's where we are. And mm-hmm. so if you're not, if there aren't a ton of hot offensive coordinators and guys like DeFilippo are getting fired in season um, and LaFleur is getting hired after only doing it for a year, then where, where is it happening? Well, it's happening in college. And those guys we know can relate to offensive and defensive players and can do game day responsibilities and do know how to build an organization and hold meeting rooms and, you know, hold meetings and delegate and assemble a staff. Like they've done all that. And if you're doing it, the SEC, it's basically triple a football. Like as close as you're going to get to the NFL. And if you're doing it really, really well, and you're 41, 42 years old and you come from the saving tree. Yeah. I'm going to make a bunch of those guys tell me no Mm. before, you know what I mean? Before I turn it over to Matt LaFleur or, you know, Kevin Stefanski or whoever. Not to say it won't work. Zach Taylor. Not to say none of that will work, but I'm going to exhaust some other stuff before I get there. Because, like, I mean, somebody could have three or four years ago, some NFL team, some enterprising NFL team could have gone down to Tuscaloosa and, like, just gotten to Kirby Smart and said, hey, look, we want to make you – I mean, like, they could have gotten Kirby Smart out of there, right? I mean, he eventually left for Georgia. I understand the Georgia job is great, and Kirby Smart – And that's his – and he's – look, he, you know, he and his wife have yeah. immense ties there and he's played there and there, love it there right, and right, want to right, raise their right, kids there, right. and he's making really good money there. But, like, the other thing that's been under talked about, I think, in the media, but that sent ripple waves, shock waves through the coaching community, was Pete Carroll's extension. Yeah. I mean, like, there were rumblings about will they just force him? He got 11 a year. And last, and what, four months before that, or what, I went to Gruden get his, uh, 10 months before that, hey, Pete Carroll whatever, got 11 Gruden million got 10. And Belichick's making whatever Belichick's making, which nobody exactly knows, but I'm pretty sure it's north of 10. You know what I mean? So now you got <laughs> yeah. in a 30 team league, you got three guys at least, you know, making more than 10. Like, and these public schools, and I know there's donors and backdoor deals, and they find ways to funnel money in their pockets that don't show up on tax returns or whatever. But, like, you know what I mean? Are you really going to have state schools paying football coaches $10, $11 million a year? Mm. And the difference between six and seven and eight isn't that much when eight was the magic number, but if the magic number is now 10, 10 and a half, 11. 
and we're talking fully guaranteed five-year deals, and there's a four to five million dollars spread per year. It's a lot of money. Yeah. So, so Nick, that Nick's... also had a lot of these guys calling their agents saying, no, "Is that is that for real? Well, what, wow!" And these teams are talking to who? They're talking to Lafleur, and they're, they're talking to Stefanski, and they're, they're talking to Sirianni <laughs> and Eberflus. Okay. Well, yeah. And you're getting some nibbles. Okay. I mean, well, yeah. Let me know. I mean, look Get at, back to me. If you're Nick Saban, like, if you're Nick Saban, and you're making you're Econ to, 101. Yeah, you're set to make eight point seven million dollars at let's say let's say eight point seven million because I think it bumps up to eight point seven. He gets like four hundred thousand dollar raise or whatever per year. I mean, eight point seven million is your your eight point seven million a year. You're fine for the rest of your life. Like Nick Saban doesn't have to work if he doesn't want to. But to get paid, well, he's been making that kind of money forever. Also, right, you know right. what I mean. These other guys haven't. Right. And if you're 42 and you love the school, you can go to the NFL for 10 years. Come back. Yeah. Do another 10 years at your alma mater. Win there, and then right off to the sunset. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I would take 11 million dollars to do just about anything. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you can you can come up with a, right, what are uh, what are teams like the Cardinals and the Dolphins doing? Teams that. Um, the Dolphins, again, that's an owner who would love to make a splash, who would love to get a member of the Harbaugh family to take over his franchise. I'm not sure that's going to manifest itself. If it doesn't, I, I, Ryan Flores is a name I heard a lot about in connection to them. From the beginning, he's a, obviously a New England guy. Uh, you look at, at uh, you know their GM, Greer, he comes from the New England family. His dad was a personnel guy in New England forever. Um, you, you might as well try to chip away at Bill Belichick a little bit um, and whatever's to become of the future of the Patriots dynasty. I, I think that one makes makes a lot of sense. Um, Arizona, it's all about Rosen. Um, you know, Zach Taylor, I think, will be is very attractive to them. Um, Adam Gase would make some sense. And they want to talk to Cliff Kingsbury. Mm. Uh, I mean... You know, could it, 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 I think it's I think it's one of those three guys. I think that's the model that they're looking for. It's whoever the owner becomes most uh, enamored with. I mean, the Kingsbury. That just it. it uh, I mean, if they do that, I mean, I, I think that one is already a cauldron. But if they do that, good luck. I mean, it. it <laughs> Why yeah, you want to talk about the potential for a beautiful disaster? I mean, a beautiful one because he is. I mean, let's be real, Cliff. Kingsbury, oh yeah, he's a stallion. I mean, I, I'm I, as I've said on this podcast, people question me on Twitter. I look, I'm comfortable enough with my own, uh, you know, life and lifestyle and, and and looks and all of that that I can comfortably say that Cliff Kingsbury is he's a damn good looking man, yeah, um, fine looking man. I don't get. I uh, explain to me why Cliff Kingsbury, if he, I, I'm not going to explain it. I'm not. <laughs> I refuse to explain it. You're asking the wrong guy. I've tried that. Trust me. I've asked people with teams that are interested in him to explain it. Like I've been like, dude, like if you do that for anything more than an OC, I'm just going to tell you, like I'm going to have to light you up and light you up repeatedly. Right. Like if that's what you, this guy couldn't cut it in Lubbock. Like he's got Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. At a time when he's a man among boys, not a boy among men. And just tell me the big game he won with him. Like, just tell me. Like, Mahomes comes into the NFL, throws 50 touchdowns, sets the world on fire. Nobody can beat him, really, for the first three quarters of the season. Where the hell was – like, I don't care that he had Mahomes in college. What records did he set? Where was the 75-touchdown season that I missed, you know, where he played 12 games and threw four games? Like, what am I – what am I missing? 
<laughs> the highest that Cliff Kingsbury ever got in the AP poll was 10. And that was in 2013 when he had this little kid named uh, Baker Mayfield backing up Davis Webb, <laughs> this other kid named Davis Webb. Um, he had DeAndre, DeAndre Washington on that team as well. Uh, Jakeem Grant, actually some pretty good talent on that, on that team. Um, they, they won. I the, mean, like, if you want to bring him in as your OC, I get it. But he went, like, he went 35 and, and 40. And if you're him and you're the hot shot you think you are, why are you getting entangled in this mess at USC in the first place? Right. That's, that's what, that's, that's, that was the question that I was asking you. Not even like, why are NFL teams interested in him? Because I don't think anybody can answer outside of, have you looked in, have you looked in this guy's eyes? Like, have you stared at this guy's baby blues? I, I think that, I think the, the question is, why did Cliff Kingsbury, if, when it was very apparent based on not just what you hear, but what you heard from, you know, media reports, but like what you hear from around the league, like everything, he was going to get some looks as an NFL OC. Why would you take the job at USC with a coach like Clay Helton who's on the hot seat? Did he- I have no idea. I mean, it makes no sense. I it mean, made- I, I, other than it being incredibly Machiavellian and you think, at le- at, well, worst case is I end up being, you know, Coaching USC, me I mean, being their head coach. Because you, you can go live in Los Angeles without being the USC coach for a summer. Like that's not or the, the winter or whatever. Like you don't. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, he it, he's a coaching free agent who was going to be hot to some degree, at least in NFL coordinating circles, and he couldn't wait to make a beeline to take that job at USC. It's it's bizarre to me. There was buzz and about then him. Team taking... started getting pissed off because they were being told by the agent, "It's not going to be a problem. It's not going to be a problem." And then the interview was a problem, and then it took, you know, eight or nine days before he's able to interview. And at the end of the day, maybe it doesn't matter. But, boy, if you if you hire him, I, I just – That would – Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Nothing surprised me in this league. But, like, if the Arizona Cardinals hire him <laughs> – that is, it's, I mean, can the Cardinals. I, think, I mean, you, could you want to talk about the potential for back to back one and done? I'm just saying. <laughs> no because, way. like, if they're not good next year, the GM's got to go. And then are we keeping this coach? And you know what I mean? Was it, what, what was the, how was that decision made? And what's going on there? I mean, I don't know. The Card- Bidwell family was a disaster for a long, long, for decades. Yep. Yep. That's, that's exactly what I was saying. All of a sudden, man, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. I mean, Michael Bidwell obviously turned some things around and they reinvested in the team and they started doing some things better. But hiring Cliff Kings, I mean, look, they might get the last laugh, but that would, that would be pretty out there and pretty ballsy. It would be really aggressive to hire Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he is six years at Texas Tech, four, 46%, 46-7 win percentage, one and two in bowl games. Um, and he had athletes. It's not like, oh, well, he was, you know, he just came up. With uh, he overcame everything with scheme. I mean, I get it. The air raid, like go hire Mike Leach. Just go get the real guy. Just go get the one. Who, like go get the grandfather of that family tree. I know he's nuts, but like just go get him. <laughs> like he's won. He's done it. He's you know what I mean. Like he's bounced around and won in multiple places and hasn't always had great athletes. I mean, I just don't get that Kingsbury gets credit for Mahomes. How? What did he do with him? Nothing. What I mean, am I missing? Look. I'm, I'm was just, the kid the first overall pick because they lit it up so much and played in all these big games to the point where we're all sitting there on, you know, New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, and then a week after that saying, my God, this, like what we're doing to Lawrence right now? When did they play in those games? Just tell me. 
2000. And I won't even take it to that standard. When did they play in a bowl game that anybody gave a damn about? They, they didn't under Cliff Kingsbury. They played in the Holiday Bowl in 2013 and won. They lost the Texas Bowl in 2015 and they lost the Birmingham Bowl in 2017. And when you look at these Big 12 standings, like, he went two and seven in 2014, his second year. He finished, um, you know, well below Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, TCU, Baylor, West Virginia, went four and five in 2015. Um, and then, you know, you look at Mahomes's, uh, was it, would it be 2000 and, let's see, 2016, they finished below Texas, a garbage Texas team. They finished below yeah. TCU. They, they, they beat out Baylor, Iowa State, and Kansas, and Kansas. And then in Mahomes, so Mahomes' final year, 2017, they went three and six in the Big Twelve. They were worse than Iowa State and Kansas State. I mean, what? How? Yeah, I'm taking the Iowa State coach out of his conference before I'm even thinking about him. Like yeah. Matt Rule, I'll buy it. Temple was a disaster. He won there. He produced NFL players. Baylor he got people's attention. He coached a year under Coughlin. He did it. You know what I mean? He did his time. Did a good job on the O line. Goes to Baylor when it's an absolute cesspool disaster. People talking about they should get the death penalty. Starts to gradually build them out of that. Like, I'll buy that. Cliff Kingsbury? Yeah. Here's the thing. Matt Rule, all right, so 2017, right? 2017 is the, is the year to look at if you want to compare Matt Rule and Cliff Kingsbury. Because Cliff Kingsbury in 2017 had Patrick Mahomes, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Cliff Kingsbury had Patrick Mahomes and went three and six in the Big Twelve, six and seven overall. No, he would. He had Mahomes in sixteen, seventeen. Mahomes is like his redshirt year in Kansas City. Is that right? Yes, that is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Twenty seventeen and twenty eighteen. You're right. Okay. All right. So fine. Twenty sixteen. Um. Well, anyway, yeah, he went three and six with uh in, in twenty sixteen. Right. Okay, fine. He went three and six and five and seven in twenty sixteen. That's even worse. He finished. He finished with a w- tied same record in Big Twelve and a worse record overall than Baylor. In the final year of whoever the hell was there before Matt Rule, that's Riles, a, right? Yeah, that's. I mean, that's an abject disaster. He didn't go to a bowl game with Patrick Mahomes. How? Patrick Mahomes threw for five thousand yards, forty-one. That's touchdowns. what I would interview him about. I would interview. Wait a minute. How much were you holding this kid back, or like what? A, what? How do Again, you, how do you, you want to pick his brain about the air raid. You want to download him for information. You want to consider him as a part of your scheme and decision-making process and maybe even your play caller as the OC. I, I get it. But what is the rush for Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury right now? Other than, again, what I keep going back to, supply and demand, and people don't know. They're looking for – or just change what you're looking for. Like, that's what I said to one of these guys, is in a, you know, somebody I know in one of these franchises that, you know, is talking to Kingsbury. I'm like – you guys have a flaw. And he's like, what do you mean you guys? I'm like, you people who are involved in making these decisions, you have a fatal flaw in that you all convince yourself you need to look for the same thing. Then you will keep finding more failures than successes. Mm. It doesn't have to be some quote-unquote you know, rock star, stud, quarterback, guru, slash play caller. Like, that's, there aren't that many of them out there. They're more fugazi than real. And that leads you down – yeah, there's no supply and demand because instead of trying to find, you know, a, a secondary coach who used to be uh, a special teams coordinator who comes from a great family tree, who has natural leadership skills, who comes from an amazing coaching family. Like, John Harbaugh wouldn't get an interview these days. Like, yeah. if John Harbaugh was 
Andy Reid's special teams coach right now and had the exact same background now 10 years later or whatever, 12 years later, where it's all offense, 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 and McVay, 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 McVay. He wouldn't get an interview. But he's won over 100 games with the Ravens, you know what I mean, and is 10-6 and all-time in the playoffs and won a Super Bowl with Joe Flacco. You know what I mean? He wouldn't get a sniff. He's Dave Tube. Dave like, Tube you Dave keep Tube. looking yeah. for the same thing, you'll keep missing a lot of the times. All right, here's the game I want to point out to you. This is Patrick Mahomes' final game as a college quarterback. Texas Tech, current at at the time, four and six. They couldn't get bowl eligible, but you know, Mahomes' last game. They go to Iowa State, Ames, Iowa, Jack Trice Stadium, to play Matt Campbell and a uh, and a, and at the time a two and eight Iowa State team. Do you know what the final score was? Now, and was this the year that is this the year Kareem Hunt is hurt, or would this have been the year Kareem Hunt broke out? Because uh, Kareem Hunt wanted Kareem, to come out as a junior, no, and they no, gave Kareem. him like a fifth or a sixth round rating. Kareem Hunt been hurt that year and a little out of shape. No, 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 no. Kareem Hunt. So that he went, he stayed in school. Kareem Hunt played at oh, Toledo. Toledo. They played with him on Toledo. Is David? So Mag- this was so this. David Montgomery. So is this would have been what? This is. This, this is, is Campbell's first year at Iowa State. Then? Yes. Yeah. 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 So this is two thousand okay. November nineteenth, two thousand sixteen. Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback, and they have uh, Kike Kute, who just caught 110 right. yards in you know in a, in a playoff game. Yeah. Um, yeah. This, is, this is this is you're supposed to win if you're Cliff Kingsbury. They lost 66 to 10 to Iowa State. That is unbelievable. I get that you're four and six. I get you're not bowl. The bowl is not on the board, but to Patrick Mahomes to go eighteen of thirty six for two hundred nineteen yards, one touchdown, Jesus. and two interceptions, and then to see what Mahomes is doing now—that's crazy, man. That's great. Like you can't. I, no, I mean, I like if that's. I would hire Mike Kafka as my head coach before Cliff Kingsbury. Mm, that's actually interesting. Like, if this is the Mahomes standard, then give me the guy who coached him up the whole year. He was on the taxi squad on the scout team. You know what I mean? Give me the guy who got promoted by Andy Reid, the full-time quarterback coach, because of the work he did with him. Give me the guy who's been in a bunch of systems his life as a vagabond NFL, you know, journeyman quarterback, but has always been a sponge. And he's the guy who, look, if Andy Reid's not going to shed any tears if Eric Bieniemy leaves. He's going to promote Mike Kafka to OC. I think by the end of the year, Kafka could be calling the plays. And this time next year, I would imagine the whole world's hot for Kafka because they're talking to freaking Cliff Kingsbury right now. Like, I would just go hire Mike Kafka before I'd even think about interviewing Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury's wins in 2000. I wouldn't do either, but, like, if if I'm an owner and you're sitting here and you're selling me Kingsbury, I'm like, well, why don't we just go, like, the quarterback got a whole lot better in the either that guy was holding him back in college or he got a whole lot better in the one year he sat out so why don't i get the guy who's had nothing but success with him because if you're telling me if you're going to tell me well kingsbury's been a head coach then i'm going to look at his record and say well wait well, i don't even know if he's a good head coach so really you're not talking to kingsbury because of like all the great decisions he made on saturdays you're talking to kingsbury because he's in the air raid offense and he's the hot sexy thing and his quarterbacks have done great in the pros okay well why didn't he win more with those quarterbacks in college like, go get me – or go get me Freddie Kitchens. Like, I'll buy Freddie Kitchens before I buy Cliff Kingsbury. Because, like, I saw what that kid looked like with him for eight weeks or whatever it was. This – I mean, if you go back and – I'm just looking at Kingsbury's, like, season-by-season season record. This is a guy who beat up on Kansas, beat up on Iowa State before Matt Campbell got there, won the early games. I mean, this is – I mean, this is – like, there is not a good win – 
on the on the schedule here. He beat West Virginia once. Uh, he beat TCU twice. He beat Arizona State in the Holiday Bowl. I don't count bowl games. Don't count for me if I'm if I'm analyzing quarterbacks. I mean, I don't see a good win. He never beat Oklahoma. He never beat Oklahoma State. He barely ever beat. I think he beat Kansas State once. Uh, maybe beat Baylor once. I mean, beat Texas twice, but Texas was down then. Texas was way down. Texas lost to freaking Maryland while he was there. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. Twice. Yeah. This is – there are some red flags when you look. And, and like, the, the I'm not saying that he should have won the Big 12, but he had Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield and Davis Webb. Like, you should have you should have won nine or t- eight or nine games. I don't know. I, I, I like Kingsbury – the concept, I'm, I'm souring more and more on Kingsbury, the head coach. All right, Joe, you mentioned John Harbaugh, and we'll get out of here because you've got a orthodontist stuff. Um, like, no, it's not, it's not actually my appointment. But, right, right, well, right. I, right. I have to shuttle. I have to shuttle. Hashtag, hashtag dad life. Yeah. I, I, will not be getting, I will not be getting braces for the second time in my life. I'm, I'm being told that I need to get 40 individual goldfish bags, 40 juice boxes, 40-plus individual small water bottles. And if I can find a better deal for pizza than $60 for six large pizzas and three cheese breads from Hungry Howie's, plus a giant candle with a number five on it. Um, and then my wife just sent me this complex algorithm that determines how much pizza 40 kids need. So that's exciting stuff for me. Um, ha- so if it involves them taking three bites out of a piece, it's insane. leaving it around till it gets really cold, and then in like 45 minutes later after they run around the jungle gym asking for another, yeah. like make sure that's built into the right. – Algorithm, because that's how it goes. And I have to go pick up a sixty dollars cake with Sonic the Hedgehog, like landscape planted all over it. It's it's infuriating. The whole thing's stupid. It's just, just the whole thing's stupid. Anyway, uh, John Harbaugh is he gonna? Is this is this thing happening or is it still in flux? It's in flux. It's in flux. I mean, they haven't. As you and I are speaking right now, they have had no meaningful dialogue whatsoever. You know, they've exchanged pleasantries. Hey, we want you back. Hey, that's great. You want us back? We got a contract. Um, okay. You know, three weeks ago, you put out a press release saying you want us back, and then you didn't do anything about it. So, okay. All right, here's yeah. a, here's no, they've got a lot of they've got a lot of interesting conversations to have. Here's how I here's how I explained it to somebody yesterday using sort of I mean my own intuition as well as talking to you about this on a frequent basis is that the Ravens are going to go, hey John, you did a great job. You got Lamar Jackson going. Uh, here here's what we here's what we'll offer you. But if it, if it involves reporting it all to Eric DaCosta and it doesn't involve making as much money as Pete Carroll, then he's probably going to be like, no thanks, guys. Right? Yeah. I mean, I don't think, look, I don't, I don't, I mean, the, I don't even know about making as much. I would say it would have to involve a significant raise. I'm not going to say it's got to be Pete Carroll. Well, he's going to want, he's going to want 10 million but, a year, right? Or nine or 10 million a year. I, I mean, mean, it's going to be more than he's making. Give me more than my brother's and making at Michigan. There's going to have to be discussions about, okay, it's one thing for me to have to go through Ozzy to get to the owner, but it's another thing for me to have to go through a rookie general manager, you know, to, to get to the owner. And, our, you know, our recent drafts haven't been great. And our, you know, free agent signings have been a little sideways at times, and we're going. To, we're at a point where this roster is at a crossroads, and there's going to have to be a bloodletting and a taking from the old to pay the new. I need to have a, you know, whether it's me or I bring in another couple of personnel guys to help. But there's got to be, you know, what is the structure and how are we moving forward? And then they might say to him, and oh, by the way, like it was great what you did with Lamar, but like. Your boy Marty really laid an egg in the playoffs, and like he ain't getting any younger. So what are we doing there? And John might say, "Hey man, these are the same dudes who saved the season, who reinvented our offense on the fly. You know, could we have made some better adjustments on Sunday? Maybe, but like I'm done firing coaches. 
Nothing changes on the other side of the building. It's the same guys picking personnel, except the best one, Ozzy, is now retiring. But I got you know, to fire a coordinator every two years. Yeah, I'm kind of done with that. So, like I said, there's a lot of stuff they need to sort through. And they, you know, they put out that press release trying to buy themselves time, and now they've kicked the can down the, down the road for three weeks. But at some point, Steve Bishotti is going to have to make real big-time decisions here. Um, he can't sit down you know, at the end of every season and say, boy, I really thought about doing this and thought about doing that, but I'm just going to keep it all together. We're past that point now. He's not going to do another one-year extension to buy them more time. He's not going to cut, you know. He, he's he's not going to agree to something that that doesn't empower him because it would be silly not to. Because there's other teams out there that are dying to empower him. Matt Lafleur got the first job. We just spent 15 minutes talking about Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> what is John Harbaugh worth on the open market? And if I was representing John Harbaugh, I would go read up on Scott Boris as much as I possibly could and go look at why he is the agent he is and why baseball players make so much money. And a lot of it has to do with the best players get to the market at a young enough age that at least two-thirds of the league wants to at least sniff around on them, and then you, you, you see what happens. Why did Kirk Cousins get $84 million? Is it because he's a $90 million guaranteed, fully guaranteed quarterback, or is it because he's really good and he hit the market way younger and unencumbered than anybody ever does? It's the market. It's getting to the market. When is the last time a coach of this magnitude really did coach out a lame duck year and then have the ability to have colleges and pro teams coming after him left and right? The power of no. It's it's, it's an incredibly powerful thing to have in your back pocket, and he has it. No thanks. No thanks. Like, I wouldn't even throw on any terms. I would just be like, you guys can, you know – if I'm representing, it'll be like, you, you know, you can make me some, you know, whatever. You can put some stuff on the table, and we'll think about it. But, like, you know, my client's daughter's going into her final year of high school next year and, you know, really loves where she is, loves playing lacrosse there. Then she goes to Notre Dame on a lacrosse scholarship. And, um, yeah, I'm cool coaching this out for another year. Like, Carol, Pete Carroll got 11. You know what I mean? People keep throwing money at guys the next year. Uh, on average, there's 6.5 coaching openings in the NFL every year. and We're coming off a year where there was just eight, and we're seeing one and dones and stuff like that happen more and more. So I'm cool, man. I'll coach it out. You know what? What you put in that press release, that's great. That works, man. You know? I did you a solid, and then you're saying, oh, yeah, well, we got him for another year. Well, yeah, you do. So that's great. Let's go. I'm fine. Mm. I'm good. Go, go hire Cliff Kingsbury in 2020. You want. That's what I was. Yeah, like I'm good, man. Yeah, I like go it. Ravens. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So the Harbaugh thing in flux. A lot of lower level jobs happening. Don't be surprised if we see Mike Munchak to the Broncos and perhaps even Bruce Arian to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Cleveland mystery team. That's sort of the summation. Jason Lockenfora. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Lockenfora. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. Watch him on the NFL Today. Uh, noon Eastern on Sunday. Tune in before the uh, Patriots-Chargers game when the Chargers beat the Patriots. Exciting times, Jason. Thanks, buddy. Hey, you got it, dude. Have a good week. Thanks, buddy.